Hi, everybody, and welcome to our special For the People of the People, where we are going to discuss and talk about the state of black culture, what's going on right now, because there's a lot that we need to talk about. There's a lot that's going on, and there's a big divide between the black community. So we're going to really have those difficult conversations today. And we have a couple of different panelists. We got a couple people that's going to pop in. And we had Miss Frankie French, who was supposed to be on. She is not on due to some personal issues that she had, but we have another person who filled in. So today it is myself, Lise Winnie. We have Ryan Troy. We have Miss Karen L. And we have Alexander Sutton here today. So we're going to get things started. But before we can do that, I got to play an intro for you like I always do. You know how I do. Because that's how millennials, we do on Millennials Anonymous. So let's get this started off and we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot of things to get to right now. Um, so how did we get here? How did we get here with policing, uh, with the things that we see on the news? Because this is not new. This has been going on for quite some time. But how did we get here? You want to take this, Ryan? Uh, come back. Come back to me. Come back okay. to me. Okay, Karen, do you want to take this? How did we get here? I think, I think, I mean, I was here a couple weeks ago when um, Ahmad was murdered, right? So I don't feel like we just got here out of the blue. I don't know about anybody else, but I didn't just get here. I was already mad. I was already angry. I already knew how many names there were on the list of people that were murdered by police officers in America. So I was already mad. I think. How do we get here today? I think everybody just got as mad as me, I guess, and was like, "All right, let's let's say something, let's do something. Let's we, we're not letting this one slide." But I think we've been here. I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but we've been here. This has been an ongoing struggle for years and years and years, and it kind of like, as a black community, we we I guess maybe we feel like we can't do anything or we can't say anything. So we've kind of just been angry in our t-shirts and our hashtags and our our emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think I think finally we all just got to the place where we were just like, that's it, that's it. True, very, very true. Um, I, I I have to agree with you. I think that we've been here for a minute. This is not the first time. We've had, what, Rodney King. We've had uh, so countless others, even before the last cu- couple of years. So we had Trayvon Martin. We had Mike Brown. So this has been coming. It's been boiling up. Now, as far as us with policing, I don't know if we got here because we i'm not gonna say we ignored it but i think as a society not necessarily black people but as a society i think society ignored the red flags yeah well i mean part of society is that we think that that's normal part of society right so we're just continuing what we know and the patterns that we've always seen so we've almost become almost like 
you know, co we're, not, we're not codependent, but it's almost like if that's normal, then it's our normal, right? And so that's what we just assumed was normal. And so we didn't fight back probably as much as we could have because we felt in some cases defenseless. I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, so we have a, a, someone else who actually popped in and joined us. We have Kent, the library guy who is here with us as well today. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, tuning in from Kankakee, Illinois. So uh, it's a privilege to be on. Uh, glad to be able to get in here and get into talking with you guys. Absolutely. We were just talking about how did we get here, where we are now with policing and being fed up with police. How do you how do you feel that we've got here? Like, how did we get here where now it's like this turning point? Uh, well, well the I think we've always been at a turning point when it has came to police, um, because before we have police, we have slave catchers. We had patrolmen who, who kept slaves or African descendants slaves in order. Um, so we've always had this uh, this relationship, a dysfunctional relationship with uh, a system of, of protection and servitude that was sponsored for people who had the power of, of the dollar. And so over the years of us becoming property to actual citizens and all the things that's happened in between, Police have had they've had different relationships to us, and predominantly it's been of one of where they made sure we stayed in line, we stayed in of the parameters within the system, um, and then in the last few years, I would say, man, maybe the last forty, uh, maybe fifty years, we found ourselves being able to become a part of that system, the policing system, the uh, uh, the law system in that regard, and we're still outnumbered when it comes to having that particular voice that say so and that right. Um, and it goes with the laws that protect police from uh, us being able to defend ourselves, you know? So I think it, it, this has been years and the years and the years and the years of making, even down to our education. I'm 33 and the first thing I could remember being educated on when it came to police was, hey, people that look like you were in this category and then there were these people who oversaw the land and protect the law and they kept you in line that's the very first thing we're taught when it comes to policing and so we look at our community we look at the things that's happened over the years before our time uh, me being a crack baby from the crack baby era you know policing was a, was a different energy in the 90s in the late in the early 2000s you know um so it's it's years and years of buildup, and then for us as as a people Many of us have had different relationships with police. Some have grown up in the projects, mm -hmm. in the urban areas, and then some of us have grown up in the suburbs and have been a part of a system where the police were more transparent and they were involved with the community. So it's a long time coming. I, I agree with that. Um, but would you say that's the growing voice that we have for disbanding and defunding the police, which is a question I wanna kind of propose to everybody are you for or against disbanding or defunding the police i will start with alex the floor is yours okay so um i kind of want to touch a little bit on the previous thing okay um so when you said how do we get here i think you were trying to adjust how exactly with the rioting the looting the uh protesting the media attention and stuff like that so I think the reason why it's probably a little bit more in your face right now is because it's an election year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever pay attention during election years, the media definitely tends to put a lot more energy into black injustice um, justices because it plays into the political um, purposes of whatever media um, organizations try to do, which normally media is most predominantly liberal. So you won't see Fox News and conservative uh, commentaries t- typically cover that type of stuff, but you will see liberal uh, corporations do it around this time. So with that being said, if that video never hit TV, I don't think the movement would be as large as it is right now. Agreed. Um, Agreed. So I think that's the reason why we're here right now, simply because it's election year. Um, once the president gets chosen, uh, black um, attention of injustices goes down. And it's, it's almost just literally in pockets and corners of the internet. People say what they have to say, and then they move on. Um, so in terms of should we just down defund the police, I actually heard uh, Sonny Houston talk about this on The View today about mm-hmm. what um, all like this one and it was it was an, another D something that she had um, affiliated with these two terms. Um, I am for, I'm not for disbanding. The reason why I'm not for, particularly okay. for disbanding is because um, disbanding would mean you get rid of it and then everyone would come back and stuff like that. I had to reapply for the jobs and stuff like that. Um, I feel like police are important. Um, in order for us to have the safety and the law enforcement where it, it needs to be. Um, so I'm more so for defunding possibly if we could allocate those resources into different um, uh, communities that needed or different types of uh, affiliations that needed it like nursing or mental health or stuff like that because that's what that term means. Basically taking funds that the taxpayers pay to the police and allocating them to different um, affiliations. So I'm probably more so for that, but I don't think that that would change um, police behavior. Okay, Karen, are you for or against either defunding the police or disbanding them? I I don't believe we should disband the police. I do think they serve some good. I don't think they're all bad. I do think they, do some good in certain community in communities on a whole, not in certain communities on a whole. And okay. I think that we should continue to support that and not not the negativity, but the positive work that they do do. Okay. Um, but as an educator, yeah, I'm 110% for defunding. And okay. I feel like the, the money could be used um, so many other places, hence education, um, because we tend to cut in all the other areas and never cut there. And I think that if all those um, police officers also felt that they were doing their job because they want to, and because they genuinely want to protect people and protect their community, then they would do it just like any other, just like nurses, just like doctors, just like teachers. But um, making them extra comfortable in situations that are confrontational and where they, uh, positions of power, where they feel like, I don't think we should do that. And I think, you know, like people losing their jobs or not losing their jobs and still paying them and still getting pensions with all this stuff's going on, I don't think it's fair. Okay, and I mean, you actually have a a unique perspective being from probably the largest city amongst us. You are in New York City, which is one of the police departments that tends to get a lot of that flack. Like you hear a lot of the bad things that cops are doing as far as policing that happens in the coastal. Yeah, and 
and it's right out on the street. It's not like, you know, they're not hiding it. It's right out on the street and people can take out their cameras and take pictures. And that's how we know about it. That's how we know about it. But there, I don't think you should do that and still get a $130,000, $150,000 pension. I don't think that's fair. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Ken, I see, I hear you clapping. So I'm going to come to you. What are your thoughts? Um, I have learned the term defunding okay. uh, because I've heard the term before and I've heard it in the realm of education where they're taking funds from a particular department and the funds, and they, they never really specified where the funds went. They just said, hey, we're cutting these funds to save on a particular budget. And I never have heard in, in any of those meetings where they go. So when I started looking into defunding in the police department in this regard, it is the, in which you'll take the funds from the police department and it's allocated somewhere else. I am for defunding um, with the people's voice saying, hey, this is where we want the money to go. If the people don't have a say in where that money is going and the, the cities are deciding, hey, we're going to take this and we're just going to defund it and they're not telling us where it's going, then I, then I think that that's very problematic. And I think with words like that, um, I think they put them out there. And like you said, uh, like my brother said, it's election year. So they're using keywords and key things to get us like, oh, they're going to defund this. Okay. And without people really knowing what it actually means. So okay. if they're going to defund and let the people decide, I'm definitely with it. Disbanding. Um, I'm with kind of in agreement with everyone else. I think the police department has a particular role. And in that role, I don't think it's the enti entirety of what the police is made for now, as opposed to what it was. But I do believe, like, like, like she says, the pensions that they're getting paid, we're talking about the protection and the judicial system. It, it's we want to see those changes. We want to see someone commit a murder on video, get arrested right away, like a regular citizen would. It's okay. more so that versus the others, you know. Okay. So, so would you say if they change the name, so maybe revise the police or something like that, as opposed to using defund, more people would be like in like interested in actually participating and having the defund process take place. Do you agree with that, Ryan? Um, personally, I, I don't agree with disbanding and I don't agree with defunding at the same time. Okay. Um, Is there a reason why you don't think that they should defund the police or? Uh, personally, I, I really don't think that the police, I mean, if we, if we're talking about, you know, dirty police, racist police, <clears throat> I just feel they don't either have their job. But if we're talking about <clears throat> the job of a, a actual good police officer, that risk their life every day they go out. I really don't think there's no money that could replace that. Uh, especially when you got a good police officer that die, um, you know, like while they're actually doing their job. Um, it's nothing, if if I die, there's nothing you can give my fiance that could, could do anything, you know what I mean? So I'm not up for defunding the police. I'm up for getting rid of the bad police. I mean, even if you defund the police and you keep the bad ones, okay. that's kind of that's that's even that's even bad because how how are they gonna get their money now if they feel their salary isn't big enough? Like who are they gonna steal that from and get away with it? You know, how much how okay. much more people they're gonna you know mess up in the streets just because now they're not getting 
you know, the money that they want. So I'm not for that. Now, if you want to take away their money and put it into things that's important in their job, uh, I'm for that. But uh, no, I mean, I got a lot of friends that's police officers and family members that's police officers. And no, I just don't. You know, I know way too many good police officers more than I met bad police officers. Just okay. Saying. All right. So let me, I, I guess I'll, I'll just throw this out there or to, to challenge the, the thought process or just to kind of get juices flowing with everybody. So you were talking about there are more good cops than bad cops and you don't that I've encountered that you've encountered. Okay. Right. So would you say that there is a big emphasis in America on, let's say, making sure that we have a strong military weaponization of our law enforcement because in most places law enforcement takes up at least 50 or 60 percent of the budget even if it didn't defund the police down to let's say 10 percent but maybe if they took instead of having officers have because here in baltimore we had some officers that made about two hundred fifty thousand dollars in overtime so if instead of having that, potentially, maybe they could take some of the money, maybe 10% of that money and shift it in education. Would you be okay with something like that? Education as far as where? school like, And putting it into the schools to make sure that there are more like after school programs for children and maybe teachers getting a bit of a salary boost or something like that. I just don't understand why we got to take it from police officers. That's the part I'm not understanding. Like, why, why them? Because I guess the money, the, most of the money every year annually c goes to the police. So every year. So when you they build out a budget every year and in certain places, I don't know if there's a justification for the amount of money that goes into so, the police. So I guess, honestly, um, what could be important to try to help bridge that understanding is how and why was this topic uh, brought up in the first place on a national level and what did the purpose intend to fix when it relates to police brutality by defunding i guess is what uh um my, my fellow brother that was asking the question is trying to get to the bottom too right i think i think that the like i said before people not understanding what these words mean they 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 we, they're put out there to say this is a solution and so I think that the conversation of defunding and how that money goes, because, and rightfully so, I mean, not rightfully so, but there, it tr it's true that we spend a lot of our budget on military, on defense, on policing, um, and we're cutting kids' education, we're cutting social emotional learning, we're cutting things that, again, a lot of household, a lot of uh, young people are not getting in the homes, but yet we're spending money on defensing, defenses and money toward uh, 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 serve and protecting. And then what brings this conversation is, is because the people are having an issue with those who are serving and protecting, and they're getting all this money because people who are serving and protecting are, mur are murdering people, modern day lynching, and they aren't. there is no sense of justice for the people to see that from a serviceman that they see. And so defunding is put up there as a solution. And, but I think that it kind of goes back to uh, like my, like I get what you're saying. He's asking, like, how is that a solution? And it really is just a temporary Band-Aid. And it starts another conversation, another dialogue, another disconnect, because now the police will, might feel or will feel, um, I haven't spoke to an officer uh, to, on this subject in particular, but they will start, many of the good police officers will feel, why am I getting punished? 
You know what I'm saying? For somebody else, it's wrong. And I think the solution that we need to talk about is, is changing those things that protect police when they murder someone or hurt someone or, or, or do any type of brutality. There are laws, there are things that are in place that protect them from justice. And so defunding and all these things, they're like band-aids. Yes, we do need to be moving the money over. That should be done before the situation even happened. You right. know what I'm saying? That should be a forethought in our in our politicians' mind. But it's like this is like a, a little band-aid to give to the people to feel like there's a solution, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. I think defunding just the word itself is a buzzword and it's a comfort word, so people feel comforted by it. Um, but I think we also need to look past just the salaries and the defense and looking at the fact that these officers, not the good ones, the bad ones, now have a union, now have a lot of money that then can also help defend them when they do commit a crime. And so they hide behind some of that, knowing that, you know what, I have such this strong power that be behind me that no matter what I do, I have, you know, lawyers standing by, I have a community standing by that's going to support me through this and using that to, to, to their ability, because that's really what's happening. So I, I have a question real quick. So uh, gathering what everyone says, um, it sounds like we need to either both or either always defund the police because it serves beneficial purposes to other affiliations and also still trying to get to the bottom of how defunding will solve police brutality. I don't feel like that is a direct, clear answer. I think that some people feel comfort from it, which I think you said uh, comfort from uh, hearing that it's happening, but like, how does that prevent the continuation of it? You know what I'm saying? Because it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that would be like, for example, like if I, um, uh, let's say at work, I uh, stole $5 and out of like $5,000 and then that pool went to $1,000, I could still steal, steal $5. True. I, I think it helps in a way. I think, again, I think Kent has a point. This is something that politicians should be looking at across the board, where money is going and where their priorities lie. Because it, when you see where the money goes, you know where the priorities are. When you have a bulk of money that tends to go in one area, that's where your priorities are. But I think that it helps in a way because now people will understand that what you do matters. So if I'm going to help the police department. If I'm going to reform the police department, now I'm looking at the different departments and areas in the police department because there are certain areas and certain places that there's a bunch of money that goes there, but it's not really any justification for why. So they're getting 50, 60% of the budget just to get 50, 60% of the budget. If you're saying that we need to decrease the amount of interactions people have with police or policing, I think that that does impact the budget so the more money you have the more you're going to just push out over time you're going to have officers who are tired you're going to have officers that are exhausted you're going to have officers that should not be under the stress and strain that they're under i get that we maybe need more officers or we need to change the way that the shifts are but i think a lot of that also has to do with the amount of money they have because you know that i can stay on the clock for double triple shifts mm. people do it yeah, of course. I think that that might be not, not more so tied to um, mischievous or uh, misconduct more so than um, tied directly to police brutality. Because I feel like even a, a person that does not do that, 
um, commit acts of violence towards blacks can take advantage of being on the clock all the time or take advantage of a bunch of unnecessary funding um, as well. So for me, like now that we're like kind of talking about it, I am for defunding, but not in this, as, a, as a solution for um, police brutality, just as a, just as a uh, um, wider conversation of where my money that I work very hard from goes to. That's like where I'm, I'm right. all for that. I agree. And I think we, we all should definitely, it's just a piece. It's a small piece of yeah. fixing police brutality. Another small piece of that is voting. So what are the thoughts on black the black vote? So we have two choices now. You have Joe Biden, and we're talking about for the, of course, the presidential election. Of course, they're local level elections. Please vote locally. It matters. So we have Joe Biden and we have Donald Trump. And now there's a divide even amongst people of who to vote for. Should I just write someone in? Should I just stay home? Like people are really concerned with the, the two choices that we have. I'm going to play two brief videos really quickly, and then we're going to come back. The National Guard in sufficient numbers that we dominate the streets. Mayors and governors must establish an overwhelming law enforcement presence until the violence has been quelled. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I So that's that's Mr. Trump, and then we're going to hear from Joe. Police. No, I don't support defunding the police. I support conditioning federal aid to police based on whether or not they meet certain basic standards of decency and honorableness, and in fact, are able to demonstrate they can protect. All right. So we have two totally different views of the police. One is very pro-aggression, you know, make sure you rough them up before you put in the car. And then you have Joe, who now Donald Trump is going after because he's saying that he's weak on crime. And then we have to also remember that the things that Joe Biden did in the past, people are bringing up with the whole Anita Hill situation. And of course, he has a sexual allegation that's lingering so does donald trump what do black people do i'll go first um honestly speaking uh the black people voted for joe biden in the early primaries uh in those red states so this is who we have now i really think that that whole system should be completely uh, broken down and and I feel like all states should have an opportunity to vote in the primaries at the same exact time so there's no kind of influence or or win for one particular candidate over another because I'm pretty sure the North thinks entirely different about Joe Biden than people in red states did. So that's my one thing. So the second thing is I think that people, black people should look at what Trump has done for black people in the last four years which for me personally, in my experience, has shit on us. Like that, excuse my language, we're not allowed to cuss on there, but I feel like Trump has, um, in every single chance and possible way, has been on the other side of the issues that are important to black people. I don't necessarily believe that Joe Biden is going to do much for us, but he's not preaching on the side of being against us as often as I feel like Donald Trump has been. And for me personally, before Donald Trump became the president, 
of this country uh, back when Hillary Clinton was running, he made it very clear that he was very pro-police. He said that he felt like police needed to be respected more. He felt like they, the people in this country have been getting away with disrespecting them for quite a bit of time. He never mentioned um, anything about helping the black people that were being shot and murdered and killed or any of that stuff. He never ever truly advocated for us because it doesn't benefit him and who he tried to cater to. And I also feel as though um, within this course of time, the only thing that people can say that he has done for black people is allocate government funds to black colleges. I mean, I would love to hear if he's done anything more. I remember him saying, what do we have to lose? And I really felt like we've lost a lot. Okay, uh, Karen, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts on this. The first thing I think um, is that we need to vote. I know I I was on social media and there's a couple of people on there that like no black people shouldn't vote. We should hold our withhold our vote. I I don't think so. I think that we need to use our voice. I, I mean, we still have the electoral college, which is a whole nother thing and whatever. But because yes. um, I, I if if my voice not going to be heard, I get it. People think if my voice not going to be heard, why am I going to go out there? But the reality is is that if we don't come out and vote, if we don't have a voice, if we don't have a big enough following, then nothing changes. Everything stays the same. Right. And so I think it's important that people do go out and vote. I think it's important that they educate themselves. Me personally, I'm not a big Donald Trump fan. I feel like this man has managed to offend every single population of the American people um, intentionally. And um, I don't see, and I, I, I know that there was underlying racism in America. We all know that there was underlying racism in America, but I really do think since Donald Trump has been in the office, he really brought that underlying racism right to the top of, of where it could be and put it in everybody's face. And basically, you know, who, who hasn't he offended? He's offended the Chinese people. He's offended the LGBTQ community. He's offended black people. He called Haiti a shithole. Like, I don't understand. You, he doesn't want, he don't want our vote. You don't want my vote. If that's what you, you don't want my vote. You just offended every single, all of my friends, all of my kids, all of my coworkers, you, you don't want that vote. And so um, I also feel overall that we had some really strong candidates in the beginning and we need to start looking at and I know it's hard with everything that goes on in the systematic oppression, but we really need to start farming the people that we need to be in those positions. We need to start working on them from now. So four years from now, they can be ready because we lost a lot of good candidates um, through the process because of funds, because of not having enough money. And they didn't have scandals and they didn't have, you know, they had maybe a parking ticket here or there. They didn't have these scandals and these people that can afford to be in these positions are now what we're left with. You know I, agree. I, mean? we I agree. We lost a lot of good people along the way. So I feel like we should go out and vote, but I definitely think as a community, we need to come together and start putting our funds and our mouth into the people who we want to represent us and get them there. Right. Let me add to that real quick. So I agree with you 100%. I promise, I might even want to say anything. If we get another candidate like Joe Biden next time, I'm not, I don't care if Hussein Hussein is the Republican candidate, I'm not voting. I'm not continuously supporting these type of candidates that get the nomination because of privilege and because of wealth. That's what it is. But look how many people we lost 
out of the race that had to drop out who are good candidates, who are strong people, who had a voice, who are making change, who've been on the ground and who are actually human in the sense that, and I say human not to take it away from anyone else. Like, you know what it is to not have a job, to not have money, to have to raise children. You, the people that lead us right now, we have somebody in office who's never lived like that. Who's never right. lived like that. So don't understand, he doesn't understand that the $1,200 you sent don't help people in New York. Bread costs $1,200 over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and that was a bipartisan bill. <laughs> bipartisan yeah, bill. Yeah, he, bill yes. yeah, yeah. he doesn't understand that in order to send your kids to college because we're at a financial deficit, I need to go take student loans. Can you write them off? He don't understand that. So we need people in office to sign that legislation and sign those laws in who are... We got you a know, question for you, Karen. Um, I think Cory Booker was a strong candidate. Okay. I do. I think um the lady in Virginia, what was her name? I think she's a strong candidate. I forgot her name off the top of my head. There are strong candidates. And it for me, just to answer your question, it's not about for me particularly, a strong candidate doesn't necessarily mean Democrat or Republican. A strong candidate to me is someone that comes out and knows what their agenda is. They're working for the people, they're addressing the people, they're pulling the nation together, they're making decisions that are in favor of everyone. That is a strong candidate to me. So even if we're talking about on the Republican ticket, to me, that's still not, you You guys still don't have a strong candidate. They still don't have a strong candidate. As a right. Republican, I would, even Giuliani or Chris Christie would have been a better Republican. To Whoa. Fight. Whoa. Oh, oh. To fight again. And I don't I mean, <laughs> that's a rough one. No, no, I don't agree with all their policies. I don't right, agree right. with all their policies. I don't agree with everything that's Republican. I'm talking about putting a candidate together, right. polishing them up, knowing what their agenda is. You don't have to agree with it, but you do have to stand there and know who you are, understand what you want, and try to, to have some order and organization and not offend everybody in the United States of America. Gotcha. You, got you. I'm a. I'm a wait. I'm a hold you off, Ryan, because you're the minority on this panel. Um, so I'm gonna let you speak last. Kent, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> Man, you, they you guys already hit some good points. Uh, um, <laughs> um, uh, when it comes to voting, first of all, as as, as black people, descendants of Africans, um, I feel it's a duty, um, and I understand why people don't vote. I get it. I, I I get it. You know, I struggle with it. In the, the last election, I really struggled with voting, um, especially being the, my very first vote in 08 was Obama. Um, and so um, so I believe the vote is important because the fact that it carries so much weight that we were beaten, killed, humiliated. There were so many different obstacles put in place to keep us from voting that in a way to carry on the our, our our duty as not only americans but also our forefathers who who are who, who are fighting for the same thing we're doing right now trying to decide on a candidate who's going to push the uh, a agenda not not only for black people but at least an agenda that focuses on the needs of people of melanated skin that's that's what that's that's what the vote that's what a vote means for a citizen of our country and so um, going in and, and, and making sure that we make a vote, I feel is important. Um, I learned not to tell people they have to vote. Um, I learned to tell them the reasons and the benefits of voting, you know, getting, be able to do the uh, jury duty, being able to be a, a, a person of, of a peer because you never know what kind of case you may get on or whatever. 
So voting in itself is important and we need to discuss that as a community on why it's important, not just because the ancestors did it, not just because we want to get Donald Trump out, but really discuss the value. And like she said, the electoral college, that's a whole nother ball game. So right. we, we got to beat the system. The system changed over the time we got the right to vote. If we if we really look at it, because if you already know how it works, if this this can beat out this state because based off of the number of electoral uh, college points that they get. So with understanding that system, when it comes to who to vote for, we knew it was going to be a Democrat and Republican. They are the two biggest gangs. They they are the two major wrestlers that we have to deal with every election. And I think as a people, like you said, we have to understand we need someone with an agenda that is willing to push the the black agenda. As a people, we do not have a black agenda to attack this police terrorism that we're here talking about this after this evening. We do not have a package of discussing what laws are in place or what statutes are there to say, for instance, if the police is doing something, I have yet to hear a politician talk about if a police officer is abusing a privilege as a citizen, I'm not saying I'm gonna kill the man, but if I should have the right to push him off of someone, if they're detained, they can't breathe as a citizen, yes, who pays their dollars, I should be able to push him off of him to help this person live to see another day without the consequence of me getting shot in the face for it. No politician ever talks about that. So when we think about giving our vote to someone, are they really talking to us and what we're talking about and what we need, or are they reiterating rhetoric for the last 20, 30, 40 years about education, about policies, about housing. We still got redlining issues in Chicago, you know, and I'm south of Chicago about an hour. So the energy of our candidate needs to be talking about our agenda and what is our agenda. And I think that's something that that is in-house. That is not something that we we have to groom our candidates for. And when they come knocking on our door, this is what you need to hear. When I vote, I'm voting in November. I'm not voting for either per person. I'm not choosing the lesser two either. It's either ammonia or bleach. I'm not picking either one. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and get the Kool Aid in the back. Okay, you know, and now we. we... Real, quick, real quick for that, real quick. So what you're suggesting is, uh, you believe that people should just vote, but not mess. And what if they feel as though they don't have a candidate that they actually feel as though speaks to any of their uh, important uh, agendas or policies? You're saying, if, if, go ahead. Okay. No, go ahead. I, I want to make sure I get so, your question. So, so you said that uh, you said that you weren't going to vote for the SRT rules at the end, but you also said that you should vote for a person that uh, speaks to you to your political uh, aspirations. Um, what if a black with a lot of black people say, uh, mm -hmm. "What if there's no one? They're both crap." I mean, I feel like both of them are crap now, but mm -hmm. I know that I need to make a decision. Yeah, decision, you know. So, what are you particularly saying to those people that say? Both candidates suck. Neither one of them cares about black people. I'm not. What do you want me to do? Uh, for the, I would say local. I'm a vote. But what about for the president? What about for the president? For the I'm not. But for the president, we have. Even if you don't like the candidate, it's going to be either one of those people. Mm -hmm. That's that's the roll of the dice. Either way, it's so going to be saying that they should vote for either or. So you're it's saying there's not a course. better solution. There's not there's a better no, candidate is what you're saying. There's if there's no there's no better candidate when it, it's either going to be Biden or it's going to be Trump. So no, knowing so. that if 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 the, the I'm, you can't vote for if you feel like you cannot vote for a president, honestly, then there's other places that need 
need cleaning out. Okay. There's different people for the, the Senate. There's different people in, in your, the, the, the House of Republic. That's what we need to know what's going on in our particular states, our wards, uh, and our precincts. And those are the people that judges in our areas. Yeah, we got to heavily focus on that. Right. Because I think people spend so much time in the in the presidential seat that we we fail to look at the community issues. It's just like with Obama. Again, Obama had a lot of views that I did not agree with. Um, you know, again, we're not going to agree with everybody. You're not going to get a candidate where you're going to get 100 percent. It's not going to happen. Right. But with that being said, people who want to get their voice heard, they get themselves in that seat for that agenda. He still had a House of Republicans where he had to go against people who went against what he was doing just because he brought it to the table. Look at the House. Look at everything that leads up to the president. And we decide what happens on the local and on our state level. Because, again, like you said, if, if you can't joke, if I can't vote for either one of the president, then guess what? I'm going to have to start working at the levels that I can affect change. In. And we'll, we'll, I'm going to park and lot that because I, I want to speak to that in a minute. But Ryan hasn't spoken yet. So I want to talk to Ryan. Hi. What are your thoughts on the black vote? What should black people do right now? Uh, to be completely honest, I think just that um, just that sentence alone is a problem. Um, <clears throat> because if if we have to if we have to look at ourselves as different than any other American, that's that's just like the number one problem to me. So if we are looking for somebody to specifically speak towards us for being black, um, we're not focused on the main problem, which is why do we feel we are different than anybody else? Because I don't I don't feel like I'm different than any white person, Chinese person any of that and i don't see chinese people asking for people uh white people to speak up for things that affect them in this country um i feel we have bigger issues at a state level i feel a lot of black people things issues that they uh have um they look for the president to fix things that they can't fix because they're just looking in the wrong direction um i feel like that's something that needs to be taught to to people is just um i've been i've been in a lot of states i've been in florida and not miami i mean the boondocks i'm in pensacola i'm 15 minutes away from alabama um i lived in new york city for 10 years i lived in houston for for a year and i went to maryland i can't really speak on that but every place i went to was different it was the uh, the way I was treated was different. Everything was different, no matter who the president was. Um, so when you, so when we speak about the president, yes, I am a Trump supporter. Um, as far as why I am, that's 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 I'm keep that to myself. Um, I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of pandering either. And I feel like it's so easy with black people, like with this sentence right here. I feel like it's so easy with black people for once you say, once you speak on these issues that people want uh, to get spoken on, it's easier for black people to gravitate towards that. Uh, so if you do get a candidate that speak a lot for black issues, a lot of black people probably going to vote for them, whether they go through with that or not. And okay. that's a problem um that's a huge problem so i want to respond when you, when you uh, okay 
Go ahead. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. I actually agree with your perspective. I think that's a great perspective to have um, about not feeling that you're any different and um, having that expectation of, of a person speak to you because of your skin color. Um, the reason why people do say something about their black folk is because black people are in a different situation economically in terms of education, in terms of poverty, in terms of uh, how they treat it when they come across law enforcement, how they treat it when it comes to certain opportunities. Just look at just one simple thing, the presidency. It's only been one person that has been not white in the presidency out of the entirety that the presidency has been in place in this country. Whereas we can almost honestly um, expect that there'll be more white people to be there. But to see a woman, to see someone of another person of color, to see an Asian person, to see a Latino person, those privilege lines are not the same. So when people say Boston the black vote, they say that because we are not in the same as white people. White people have a higher level of privilege and access across the board because this is how this country is right now. So that's why I feel like people kind of um, put more importance on their vote because they're like, you have, as a person that's probably white, this woman in the presidency, um, power to change that to where so I can have a chance to be the president as well. But I don't have the same chance as you being black. So if I vote for you, can you make that possible? That's why people try to put more weight on their vote. Now, I know that you feel as though you may not feel any different than another person, but a lot of other black people do not feel like they have the same privileges and opportunities as others. I agree. And I think that when people see black, because we all know that we're all people. We understand that. We know that I'm a person, an Asian person. We're all the same. We just have a little bit different melanin in our skin that makes us different. But unfortunately, we live in a country that doesn't see it that way. Question. They see us as different. Question. Um, to go back to what he said. Um, so you, you, when you said... Um, we only have one black president, right? Mm -hmm. Now, we still have these same issues that we had. Before. And if and if and if you were to and if we were to rank Obama, and I'm not talking politics, but I'm just talking about as much of an influence as he was, as far as a role model he was to black people. That's that's he's up there. I'm gonna give him a ten at that. I don't want to get into politics with Obama, but as far as what you see in a person, what you see in the family, his wife, his children, that's, I really don't see any black person that could, that could achieve close to what he was able to, as far as just being a, just, just that role model. So if, so if we have that, he's not in office even when he was in office all this stuff was happening but still when you have that how are we talking about why it matters on what our president it don't matter if we have 10 presidents back to back to back to back the issues we deal with we still dealing with them whether we got a black president a white president a president you feel racist it doesn't matter the, these problems are in other places that we need to touch as far as as far as our uh People not liking Trump for the things he's saying. I mean, they got a valid point because he do. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say he don't say controversial things that will piss a lot of people off. He does. That's not why I'm a Trump supporter, though. But if you have Obama, like I said, it's it's kind of hard to compete with that. As I, far I as mean, 
we we made I will agree with I'll you in the sense that we made Obama a superhero. We made him well, the he superhero. Did. He is Wakanda. Right. We we did that. Yeah. But I will also say <laughs> Yeah. But I will also say that you have to also look at the circumstances of when he was president. And I think the president does matter. You go in Walmart, right? And no one tells you you can't be here because you are colored. You are able to go outside and do what you want. That dependent on the president because who they were running against did not want to see that happen. The president of the United States matters. And as far as with the Supreme Court, there's things that have passed through the Supreme Court that would not have been able to do so depending on the president and who they appointed. These are lifetime appointments. They do not leave. That's it true. matters. Let me, let me start real quick and get a chance. Yeah, uh, it, it matters. But go ahead. Go ahead, Alex. So real quick, me real quick, I know you're trying to get through the topics. So Obama did things for LGBT. Obama did things for DACA um, and a few others. So he put policies in place in order to be able to help people. Trump went in office, he did everything he could to undo those things. So he took away transgenders' uh, privileges in the military. He also took away DACA from people that were in this country. So the president does matter, and those those things that, he, I'm, not, I'm just like talking like generally, those documents he took away, those made those people's lives worse. When Obama was, was in office, he put those policies in place to make those people's lives better. So that, I'll say, to go off of her, it does matter. The second thing I wanna say is, um, in response, um, Obama was exemplary. Like, uh, I'm sure I said the word right. I probably can't because pronunciation. But he was, he was, he was, he was, he had a, all the things you said were things that a lot of people want to live up to. If he was any less than that, conservative white America would drag the crap out of him for it. So they if, did. They did. They made if, it hard. It wasn't if, easy. If his hand was a little too low below his wife's waist, dragged. But when Donald Trump comes in with sex scandals, vulgarity, um, lies, uh, trashy people on Twitter and stuff, the same America lets it go. So that is a part of being privileged. That's what part of not of the difference. You, I mean, Joe Biden, the same thing. One of the most lackluster, lack-inspiring, do-nothing candidates, privileged, expects the black vote without doing anything people he can get away with that because he is privileged he is he, and, and that is where black people are like if i vote for you this and i'm not saying that you by yourself can change that but i want to believe that if you're asking and earning my vote that these are things that are important to me and i want you to be on my side with that issue i think we also need to look at the fact that there's a whole marketing thing around the black vote yes you know what i mean there is a whole campaign uh, for these candidates around the black vote. And we need, as black people who are going to vote, whether you choose either candidate or none of them, you're going to write something in. We also need to understand that because we are, they're playing into a particular market and creating this ideal, like I'm going to come in. It's like selling a kid a Happy Meal at McDonald's, right? Like I got a toy here. I'm going to hold it in your face. I'm going to tell you what it is. And then this is what I'm going to do for you because I need that vote. And so we need to be educated on who the people are we're voting for. I agree with that. What their agendas are, what their party is, whether we support it or not support it or how we come to that, because we can't just say a lot of people did vote for Obama because, because he was a black. Right? Yeah. And I understand understand that to some extent but were we doing the work that we needed to do 
right? And and that was great. He came with Obamacare. He came with other things to try to to try to help communities. But were but did anybody do their homework? Is the question. Yeah. He was always a centrist, even when he was in Illinois. He was right? always a centrist. So we need to do our homework. And so now in this situation, we need to do our homework and say, okay, not just don't just say the black vote you know, and wave a flag and, and say, this is what I'm gonna do. But is this a candidate that you feel strong enough about that's going to help support what needs to happen in America right now? And right now we have a big race relations problem. Agreed. And Ryan, you have a question. So Dave wants to know is, do you believe that the change comes within and that it comes from people and starts from the family and grows locally? Most definitely. That's, that's literally what I'm saying. Um, I feel like, and I think we're going to get to this a little bit later, um, so I don't want to like jump ahead. But yes, I feel like um, us as black people have more responsibility. We, we have a responsibility to our own people that we don't seem to take um, as far as improving our ourselves, our, our youth, things that we shouldn't let slide, things that we, you know, may see and and turn and go the other way. Because we already know what it's going to be like once we try to teach. They're not going to listen. We're too He's going to vote for you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But, uh, yeah, that's to me, that's the biggest problem. Um, listen, this Trump thing, uh, this Biden, all of this, it's every four years, man. But when it comes to our race, you know, we've been we, it's been black people for way more than this. It's, we have children, you know what I mean? And it's like a presidency can last a max of eight years i want my kids to last for for over 80. so we need to do things for for them instead of focusing on the wrong things um right. so, that's, so, that's how I feel. so let me let me ask real quick so i want you to, to respond to this so what do you feel as though we can give our kids a value that um we're not giving them as you feel as though other people are giving them or other um other races because you said we as black people aren't we need to look at our kids we need to do x and x so what are examples of things that you feel as though we can do to empower our youth and and make our own better uh hold hold higher people responsible um and by that i mean like people like for instance obama was uh obama was a, a role model because he made it to be the to, to be the president um we have we have basketball players we have all, we have so many people that make it to this high level of success that we need to hold responsible for also giving a better message to the youth instead of uh causing these bad um trait like having these bad traits are are profiting off of these bad traits that they may not even live once they cut the camera off or, or walk away from the microphone um okay. a, I, I so will say, like oh, rappers ahead. and stuff like that is that what you're talking about I mean, entertainers yeah, yeah entertainers and because it's it's like this I, i'm gonna say like that i want to say this one thing um we as black people we were slaves right when when donald trump had this one interview he said um i was given a small loan of a million dollars that's crazy who you know that's going to give you a million dollars that's not normal but let's take it from the million dollars you have since we were slaves we weren't able to be successful for as long as white people have been able to uh we we're we're 
they may be up here with and we're like right here because we're trying to get there but one thing that we do is when we get money instead of investing things so we can have money to pass down to our children we spend it on things that have no value in a couple of years to be able to give our children nothing it's for them to have to keep repeating this cycle of where we are just trying to get up here where they kind of like we can't we can't fight about that it is what it is we were slaves all right cool but at this point we got to start living for for the youth we have to start doing things to put the next generation into a better position so they could keep doing it and doing it and doing it as well is that the biggest existential so, threat you feel the black community most faces? Definitely, yes, because if, if otherwise we're just going to keep repeating ourselves over and over again. We will still be here in 30 years having the same conversation over and over. So I, I, mean, I, I don't want to start real quick. Real quick. So um, and then I'm going to jump in after you. You said two things. I'll be really, really quick. So you said two things. You said um, we shouldn't worry about uh, other people, but then you said we should worry about them and hold them to, to accountability. And then your second response behind that was that we need to do um, more economic responsible, like be more economic responsibly, um, responsible. And go ahead. And and then no, no, I just want to, I just want to. What you said at first, I said, I, I said we shouldn't worry about the worry about them. No, no, not them. We need to worry about our people. Hmm. I'm saying we don't need to worry about the people ahead of us as far as like the people that had the luxury or the privilege, as you want to call it, uh, that didn't have to deal with slavery. I just want to make a, is That's 830, is it okay that we go, do you want to go to nine? If you got to, um, can you have me, time? Yeah, let's, I can go to nine. I just got a message of people want something, but yeah. That's all I wanted to say. Go so, 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 gotcha. so, but then you said more economic responsibility. Um, that's not an issue that's, um, black, uh, exclusive. I feel like that can be done by anybody, like white, Asian, anything. So I feel like that's not necessarily like, um, to me, something that would help black people as whole. Well. I think the reason why people look to other other um, um, people of privilege is because they have those opportunities. And um, when you qualify to get those opportunities, that in fairness, they would expect to get them, but they don't have the knowledge or the access. And I feel like if they are able to do that, they're able to give that knowledge and access to other black people. But until then, what we have right now, I feel like it's not enough just in the black community by itself. Kent? I, I, I think the, the, the beautiful part about having Trump in office, and I did not vote for Trump or Hillary in 16. Um, I knew, I felt Trump was gonna win with, with Obama having been in office um, and just the energy of seeing a black man in the highest seat in the country just made people feel some type of way. And and like we talked about, we as black people had a big, we, we felt like it was the, the victory of all victories, similar to the civil rights movement. Once we got to the bus, we got to, we got integration. We got, we were able to get into schools. We took those, vic we took that victory and we got relaxed with it because as we're talking about slavery and how we got here and the threats that have happened over the generations, uh, we have to understand that those threats evolved with us over time. The media, the, 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 the image of what we look like being violent, being uh, hypersexual active, uh, men missing from the home. These things have been taught to us via history in, in school, <laughs> in the school we go to. 
and they tell us how this thing molded. And so what what happened is, is that we now see what has been underneath people's energy this whole time. It's like going from the south to the north. That racism was hidden. It, it was different in the north. So we felt like the whole, everything was okay. And then when Trump got to office, the people that we dealt with every single day locally, they begin to show their underlying feelings when it comes to black people. And so with that energy, we can address that particular threat that we already know has existed. Now, again, I'm not saying all white people are bad. It's, it, it's not because because I have the, I, my life and my story. I've been blessed to have so many different people from many walks of life help me develop into the man that I am today. But the reality of my particular story as a black man, a, a crack baby, literally 1986, looking at the, and talking to my mother when I met her and seeing the issues they dealt with in the 80s and putting that history together, we as a people, like Ryan is saying, and, and I love how you're saying it, Ryan, because there are a lot of people who are Trump supporters who are melanated, that they, they treat black people as if we're just dumb. You know what I'm saying? Like we're just saying the issues we face with, we don't care about it. We're only focused about white people. But what I love the way that you said, what you said is that at some point you have to stop telling, trying to get someone else to see the beauty in you and you have to believe the beauty in yourself, come together, build together. And it, it's going to be treated like separation. We look at it in history's point of view, Rosewood, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, anytime black people came together and did it together along without the influence of the white system, of the white supremacy system, because that's what we're dismantling. Ages of ages of systems directed to keep people, like you said, some people here and keeping people here. And so that comes with us having to have these in-depth conversations, which we like to call in-house conversations, where we need to talk about that behind closed doors because I've watched other cultures do that. In public, they got a system. They support each other. But when they go behind closed doors, best believe if you messed up, you're getting chastised. You're getting cussed out. Anytime we come together, you got to bring a dollar. You got to bring a dish. And we, we have to remember that a movement is ever going. Once something is in motion, it never stops. And so the civil rights movement was just the energy of our ancestors who wanted to get out of the chains to get back home to deciding since we built this, this sucker here, I almost cussed, since we built this <laughs> mug here, we might as well insert ourselves in every aspect. You can we curse if you would time, like. We gotta come together. We gotta come together. Because I know when you saw my post, my post, I said I'm writing in uh, uh, Killer Mike for president. Mm -hmm. When I saw his 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 statement um, telling people to go home, he did not he did not want to be there. But in the conversation of doing things a particular way, we got to get uncomfortable and put ourselves in spaces and address the issue. Like Ryan is saying, we can't keep waiting for somebody to do it. And we thought Obama was going to be the savior. We have to bring that energy to ourselves, but also remember this fight is age long it goes back to when people were praying and still getting murdered you know what i'm saying so this is something we have to remember and while we while i identify the world as my home my story here on the soil of america we can't f afford to forget the history we can't afford to, to to believe that it's okay because when somebody is murdered in cold blood going back to why we're here detained handcuffed behind his back with a knee into his neck for almost nine minutes that is a lynching when that person is not arrested 
until people get out to the streets and start protesting, when you have people who have dealt with it enough and they start destroying stuff, the social and emotional energy in our community, and I'm a product of that, comes from what you have at home. And systematically, the crack epidemic, the, the guns that show up in our community, the drugs that show up in our community, this is not just by happenstance. So again, we got to take the energy back home and decide, you know what, I'm tired of begging you to give me what I want. And I'm going to have to take myself behind closed doors with my people and have this dialogue and come out equipped to build another Wall Street, but be built to be able to take the terrorism that comes whenever black people decide to pull ourselves up. Because so would you say the time. biggest existential, what is the biggest existential threat then to the black community? Are you saying that it's the lack of being able to come together in a united way to strategize, to figure out what is it that we actually need to do? I would say, honestly, it's true healing from the, the from the energy of the PTSD that has affected our culture up until now. When okay. have we ever sat down and healed appropriately? Most every people, any race of any group of people that have been offended on this soil was giving some type of and even that compensation still was enough to the to the, to the destruction that was done to them. Mm -hmm. You know, but at the same time to heal. To heal, and again, I don't, I don't know people, I don't know everyone's story, but for me, for me to be able to have the dialogue and to engage people in my comp and my skin, and hear, say, for instance, Ryan's point of view, where I know other Trump supporters who look like him, just come in with such vicious venom. My healing process, me being able to understand that we we heal in different ways. Black people have not healed. When has it ever happened? We got civil rights in the 60s. They killed all of our leaders. The crack epidemic hit. Factories got shut down. Reconomics happened. 80s babies where you got hardly no jobs, heavy police, then the war on drugs. Like, the, when have we ever healed? Agreed. When have we ever had a chance to actually heal? So the healing process and being able to socially and emotionally evolve into this century, because that's why we're protesting and rioting. And again, I'm not, a, I don't tell people how to move. Okay. I don't care to protest. I go out there to support the young energy who have called me out there to be there because now I'm in that age where I am that, that older guy now. But at the same time, we're still doing things of the past because we haven't been taught how to adjust to the things of the new, which is knowing every little, the LGBT, they knew everything they needed to get done. And they saw Obama with the opportunity and they went in like a missile and, and got it done on that particular stage. Okay, so I do want to I do want to address that. So I, one thing that um, the from black people in the black community, and one of the biggest things that I feel like uh, we do is use other communities as an example of how we can advance. So people talk about the Jewish community a lot. People talk about the LGBT community a lot. Um, those two communities were in different circumstances that I feel like the black community. So I feel like using other. Um, communities may not necessarily work for us. For example, with the LGBT community, white people are involved in the LGBT community. So there's a higher level of priority there already um, to be able to get the type of civil rights that they were seeking, which the main thing that they needed was gay rights, which a lot of people still in our own community don't agree with. The second thing with the Jewish community, they also have different levels of opportunity and access than the black community does too. But I know that is a conversation that I consistently hear um, from more so from the pro-black pro uh, um, speakers saying that isolation and um, 
black focus and black uh, uh, togetherness and unification will be the key to success. And I always have been in a disagreement of that. One, I don't know what we have within our own community that can get us to those places that our Jewish community has, because I don't really feel like we have uh, anything of significant value comparative to those communities. And secondly, I feel like there is so much divide in our own community by itself that I feel like there's no way that we can literally be on the same page and get anywhere. I and agree. I, so do, what's your experience? I was just about yeah. to say that. So, we so, have what, everything. Everything. so what do you guys feel? We control like? the culture in America. They, so every, they want to be us. So yeah. they want to be us. Culture. So we bring those resources together. That's where that healing comes in. So, where, you know, Wait, we, I don't like have to what? agree with you, but let's bring our money together to, because when stuff like this happens, that's when we come together. That's when the actors come in, the the, the, the athletes. When you we're, you look at us now, we're the, you can feel the pulse because we reach points where we're tired. It's almost like when the family comes together but at a funeral, we got to come just, together before the funeral black. happens to say right. this is what we need to do. But it's not just black voices. There's voices from every community, uh, and there are other voices from communities that uh, take benefit and becoming a part of this movement. I feel like it was just black people saying, we're tired of, 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 of people shooting us. Like, this is not the first year this happens and happening all up until now and all before 2016 and everything like that. This is not enough because we don't have any kind of legislative um, uh, access abroad. So um, I still need to hear when it's just everybody else gone, what can black people achieve outside of culture that can have that type of value as other communities do? And I'm talking about LGBT community, I'm talking about- I think black people have the numbers more than any other group that can come together and pull together and pull something out, right? But the thing is, the number there's a there's number of layers here. There's the emo, the social, there's the emotional, there's the the weight that we're carrying from ancestry, and then there's moving into these new eras. But I think most importantly, when you ask what's the biggest threat, sometimes we are threat to ourselves, right? Okay. We need to look at education. Number one, we need education, and I don't mean I'm a, I'm an educator, but I don't mm -hmm. mean just necessarily sitting in the classroom, but understanding who you are and where your place is first so that you can understand where your next step forward is, right? So we have to we have to deal with that. We also have to deal with, like Ryan said, we can't always expect someone to come and save us, right? right. We don't have a leader. We don't have to lead ourselves. So what is it, even in this movement right now that we're having with the police officers, what do you want? Because we're marching and we're we're praying and we're protesting and we're burning shit down, but what do you want? Right. right. What is the define things that you want? Because we right. can't negotiate if I don't know what you want. Right. Exactly. Right? So really, what we need to do is pull together and have one vo a unified voice and be strategic. And then to go back what Ryan said too, we also need to understand where we're spending our dollar because mm -hmm. we do spend more than anybody else. We, we do. We they purposely put money into certain communities because they know we go and spend it. Six hours. Six right. hours. That's yeah. what the, that's what the numbers say. In the African American, um, African American community, if they give money, we're spending it in six hours. In other communities, it can circulate up to 60 days. Right. So, so what we need to do is be smart about how we're spending our money and use our leverage. Right, right. So let me let me I'm gonna touch on a couple of things. So um I 100 percent agree on education. 
However, everyone does not have the same kind of priority when it comes to education that others have. So getting on the same page with that by itself and what education looks like for everybody would be a feat, in my opinion. Um, I also feel as though everyone does not agree with solutions to what we want in terms of all this writing and stuff. Some people think that uh, it's F everybody else, let's come together. Some people think that it's Ryan Ludeging. Some people think it's legislation. Some people think it's 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 getting rid of the police. Some people, it's, it's so many different things. And it just seems like a lot of times when I, and I've talked to so many different people, when you have an idea that's different from yours, that's your idea is not something that they're considering whatsoever and that their idea is the, the only way to be. So for example, when I feel like people criticize the things that we do in our own community or holding our own selves accountable in ways not necessarily talking about how we spend money, but talking about violence or crimes and robbing and stealing the things that happen a lot in our communities at a large number, mm-hmm. it's not exclusive to our communities, but it happens in our communities. People don't want to talk about those things. They want to focus on what other people have done or the aspect of just isolating and hoping that that is just not a problem. So, yeah, but if we don't reflect on ourselves, then we can't change. I that is the reality of it. And you can't move forward if you don't know exactly where you're going and who you are. And I understand what you're saying. Some people's mentality is just like, I- I'll rather blame somebody else, but then we don't make any progress. And then right. here we are, like right. he said, for 30 years doing the same thing in a circle because we're not making any progress because we can't come together and organize what we want in a way that that, that benefits all of us. I agree. And we grab these young people who are tired, who are protesting, who are marching. For those of us who are, and I, I believe, 30 and 35 and up, we have a responsibility to grab that energy of being tired. And they're learning. They want to do something to teach them about legislation, teach them what they can do and how they can do it because that's on us. Because if we don't, if it took me years to learn it because my mother didn't know how I was adopted and she, she had an eighth grade education, so she couldn't teach me. So it wasn't until I got around educated black people who had that pride in being black unapologetically to say, if you address it this way, this is how we can come together. When we meet, we're going to bring a dollar every time and, and, and setting the status quo, this is going to be the new, normal status quo not so people don't point at us but because we need to find that definitive voice for our particular selves you know what i'm saying correct i mean i agree but make the decision but here's the thing so should we start a national organization to represent black people or the betterment where we are on one accord now i understand like when what ryan is saying the one of the biggest issues is kind of taking yourself and moving you away from the other groups. So now, you know, instead of it being for everyone, it's particular to black people. But I think that we do need something that does focus on black people because we are 13% of the, the population. And a lot of the laws and things tend to affect us more negatively than other groups. So what bringing in what karen said bringing in what kent said bringing in what alex said at what you're saying is we need an organization to come together sort of like an organization you would have like an nra but for the betterment of black people do you think something like this could work outside of the naacp something new so i think that it would have to honestly um be widespread knowledge and it would need to consistently uh, promote itself 
and the opportunities and um, and access that is, it wishes to give to Black communities consistently. Because I feel like a lot of people are donating to so many different Black organizations, but we don't know what those organizations, I don't personally know what those organizations have done for me personally as a Black person or what they even offer. So I think that that will probably be the most important thing is clarity and um, a certain powerful method of exposure in terms of what it actually is going for Black people so people know how to utilize it. Um, but I think it could work if, if in, in that regard. Um, I, I, I think that with what I said, I probably worded it wrong. Um, when I say it, when I said that I want to uh, focus on on us, I didn't mean it by separating ourselves from the world. Like at the end of the day, I, I still I don't feel like we need to separate ourselves from white people or any of that. What I'm saying is, and and I and to answer this question, I'm gonna say no, um, because I don't need I don't need anybody to speak for me. I feel like when you have educated black people. I just feel like we need to educate our race. That's all I'm saying. I just think that we need to hold our race responsible for certain things. And, and how do you all, educate your right, race? That's what I'm saying. That's how, how, how is that possible? You, you said, how do we educate how our do race? You, yes. Yes. Uh, the, the, uh, the same way that your parents educate you when you grow up as far as things that's right and things that's wrong. We see things that's wrong all the time and we just walk the other way. I don't think that we should do that. Um, because it's easier to walk away. It's easier to see something wrong and not go at it. Um, but like even like just being in a church, I just like it's just it's it's we had this when we grew up. Gender, I don't know. It's, it's things been getting things been changing, but we had a lot. Well, at least I did. I had people that wouldn't let me do certain things. You know, don't go outside with your pants sagging. This, that, and the third. Like I could probably get a whooping from a neighbor. And it'll be all right. You can't whoop no nobody could whoop their neighbor's children. Not not today. <laughs> exactly. Like it's just it's it's just community wise as so, far as just holding each other accountable because that's really exactly. what it was. I remember that. I remember being outside and the people in the neighborhood saying, "It's time for you to go upstairs. I'm going to walk you home. Otherwise, I'm going to tell you dad because you need to be home." But we don't live in that same generational way anymore. And so there's a lot of kids out here who don't have that guidance that right. who are, I'm going to answer Dave, um, who are in the poorest areas in underfunded schools who don't have guidance from parents or whose parents are working. You know, I have a students whose parents are working from four o'clock in the morning till 12 o'clock at night. So the students are left you know, alone. So they're not getting that guidance, which kind of ends up getting them into the trouble. They're not getting that support system. And that's part of goes back yeah. into the socioeconomic issues that families face while they lack education, even from home, because that also then, especially for brown and black males, ends up putting them in special education and then into a pipeline of prison. So I need, to, I need to ask uh, Ryan, and, um, Ryan a particular question, but I need to add another thing. Um, so when you suggested that we need to, uh, you know, keep our, our race accountable and, and educate our race and stuff like that, um, everyone's, they have two things. Everyone's, um, level, uh, understanding of parenting is different. So people are going to parent their child to hate gay people. People are going to parent their child to hate white people. Parents are going to parent their child to the child. Well, I don't care what you do. Go out there and sell drugs and, and, and split it open, whatever, do whatever you want to do. Everyone's 
philosophy of how to uh, raise their children will be their own. And I feel like there's no way that that can be unified whatsoever because everyone's going to do what they want with their own children. My, my second thing is why would not having an organization that can at least give information or can be a database for information for black people not be a sufficient way for people to get economic advice or know where to get economic opportunities so that way they are possibly using themselves and getting the information and knowledge that's given to them because i feel like that's probably the biggest uh reason that's putting us back and applying themselves but they they know where they can go grab that information from if there's a word out there that they know about so why is that not like something that people can rely upon or why is that not a solution that you agree with um the reason um not necessarily that i don't agree with it but it's well i feel we have a lot of that already we have a lot of non-profit organizations i don't that, know what they do personally huh? what I, non-profit I know organizations what I, know, I know what they do but i don't know like i don't know what each nonprofit organization cool. does. let me let me let me give you an example so um I left New York when I was around 21. I got a, uh, I got a, a multiple felonies and it became extremely hard for me to get jobs here in Florida because it was so fresh. Uh, I moved to New York City and um, it was a nonprofit called Brooklyn Works Innovations. And they took people, uh, people that was, you know, that had charges or people that was underemployed and um, they gave them free classes so I got into the information technology field. I'm a low voltage technician. Uh, a lot of the people that was that that went through this, and it was a process where you had to be accepted, were mostly minority, and not just black, but I mean like Latino, you know, all of that. Um, we have things like that, but if we solely depend on that to not even just raise our kids because you made a good point when you said people raise their children different but we need to hold those parents responsible as well just because they're not a child don't mean we don't need to hold them responsible when 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 the riots first started and i and i'll be honest i was a victim of this uh just because i like to hold people responsible i lashed out on a lot of black people that was doing it uh but the thing about it is it was just the media that was showing a lot of black people that was doing it and no and nobody else um and once that message came through and and trump went out and said these thugs black people they stopped letting white people even do it you stop seeing black people rioting and these aren't children they're stopping grown people from from breaking businesses, black owned businesses, all of that. So you don't have to be a child for me to hold you responsible. You know what I mean? Like it's possible. Uh, so all I'm saying is with this, we have a lot of nonprofit organizations um, and you can donate to them. Right, you can donate to that. You can do whatever you want with your money. Right, right. But, but I think nonprofits, and I agree with you, nonprofits are not, necessarily the solution they shouldn't be the solution by itself right as a right. person who has run and founded a nonprofit, works in a nonprofit industry i also understand how nonprofits work a lot of nonprofits don't understand how to operate 
They don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. A lot of the grassroots organizations get pushed out. None of the money goes to the people that actually have the boots on the ground. It goes to the big organizations. So then it's just this corrupt system. Right, that's what I was trying to, that's and, what I was trying to allude to. Yeah, so it's a it's it can be a very corrupt system, but it's necessary. That's why I think having an organization where those nonprofit organizations can get that training and you have people who need at the education as far as like a catch all. Now I know what organization to go to that can point me to XYZ. And this is an organization that will go and lobby because the NAACP is not doing necessarily doing that, but somebody that can go and lobby for these rights or these the laws and leg legislation that will impact black people on a positive way. I think that's why having something like that would be beneficial, but something that's come up and I wanna get your opinions on it before we, we go, I guess two more things before we go. Reparations. It has come back to the forefront. What are your thoughts on this? Um, Do you think it's a good idea? Bob Johnson of BT has proposed $42 trillion reparations package for black people. I, I feel like when it comes to when it comes to reparations uh, for, for black people, um, there really is not a price tag for this. And and not, I'm not saying that if America decided to give us something that it, 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 it depending on how it, it goes back to that organization. If we have representatives as a voice saying, this is what we will like from the United States of America to settle the, 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 the trauma because we, and again, for those, most people don't understand that or care to understand that, but trauma runs, again, as we're talking about education, as we're talking about housing, as we're talking about communities, as we're talking about families, trauma and the lineage of different things that has happened to black people, a lot of things are happened based on how we are as individuals. But if you look at the systems in place, there has created these snowballs and pockets of, of, of communal breakdown, beginning again, look at the timeline. So when we talk about reparations, we want to, we, you have to look at the lineage of pain and trauma that is that was given, and that price tag, it 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 is it, deeper than a money than a number a price tag. It has to talk about land. It has to talk about actual monies that to give to people to actually delegate and put those things into play. Which, as again, as a people, we have to be. That's an in-house conversation that we have to be honest about and say, which we've talked about today, we're we're not prepared for. You know what I'm saying? To delegate who, where this money goes and how this money is used. But if we're talking reparations, we need to be at that table and say, this is what we want. Not them write a check and say, oh, we're going to give you this because this this amount of money should be able to fix things right up. We're still talking about emotional. And, and and social trauma. 80s babies are now the parents of the kids now that we're talking about. 80 babies, a lot of a lot of us didn't have parents to teach us. We went through foster care. We went through many different pockets and things to teach us how to develop as a human being. So you we really can't expect a family structure to grow with two people who don't know what a family st structure is. Me and my wife come from, uh, I'm adopted. She comes from a single parent home with no male influence at all. So for us to come together to raise a family, we're doing it with no experience, no sight at all. So when we're talking about reparations, that's where we have to come together. And, and it may be the unpopular conversation on here, but that's where you have to separate 
from white people, from white America, because they're always in the mix of what we do in our decision making that we can't tell them, hey, this is what we want. I can't tell you what Kent want unless Kent knows Kent. And then Kent is able to tell you, this is how Kent receives love. This is how Kent receives gratitude. And that displays my relationship. I so agree. in reparation, we got to talk about what is, it, what is it that we want. And it has to be more than money because we just said it. We spend more money than anybody else. So it might need, we might need land. We might need those resources. We might need an oil field. We might need those are conversations that we need to sit down and actually discuss. Is this pandering? Do you think this is another, because we've seen the pandering with Nancy Pelosi um, and the Kente I, cloth, and we, we've seen a lot of pan, pandering I, I, recently. I, I, I think it is. If you're not bringing us to the table to, to ask us what we want, if you say, hey, here's the number, this is what we're going to give you, you bring us to the table and let let me speak, let us speak for ourselves. You know what I'm saying? That That's how you reach us. Ask us what we want and we'll tell you what we want. And then you give us, even with this, the topic now, we want to see justice for a murder. That's what people were right. Some people, we got to be honest, some people were out there just to burn stuff down. But people were angry because a public servant murdered a man in broad daylight and was able to go and, and leave work with pay. We want justice. We don't want to talk about race relationships. We want to see justice from a servant that we pay out of our tax dollars, we want to see the same justice as that that we that we get that that happens when we get in trouble for certain situations, and we automatically get the book slammed in our face. That's what we want to see. All this other stuff is just fluff. We got to get to what we really want to see, or they're going to people are going to keep pandering and saying, "What about this? What about this?" We reparations is a great topic. Let's talk about this book at any other day, but. Well, let's get this justice. Asians did get, um, just to answer this, they did get reparation. Yeah, they did. How did, how, how did they receive it? So it, they got the money back. So a lot of them lost businesses and stuff like that. And they gave them um, the money of what the whatever they lost was worth after they left those intern camps. Yeah. So they did get something, but I think it's harder for African-Americans because they waited so long. So now you have to determine who gets what. So, for me, I, when I think about reparations, I'm like, what's this going to fix? What is it going to fix? Because if I'm still going to be followed around in the store, if I'm going to have to take my money and live only in a certain neighborhood, if I still can't get a certain job, if the laws that were written in 1776 when they were still slaves and I still have to follow the Bill of Rights and the Constitution that wasn't written for me, what are those reparations going to do for me? You're just you paying me off. Right. Agreed. I, I think this You're is a level of continue to go along with this. I, for lack of, I got a bad word. I'm about to say. Um, you you're paying me off. I I I mean, I was at the African American Museum this summer. I took my son down there, and I read a document that said that every black man was considered one third of a person, one third of a human. Those are the laws that we are still living by today. You have to honor the Bill of Rights. You have to follow the Constitution. That's what we're still living by. Those are the so instead of reparations, I'm not saying I don't mind the money, but maybe we need to do the work where the work should be. Because you're you're telling me that I need to stand, and I get it. I'm just, you're an American, but then you're when you wrote it, you didn't write it for this American, right? I agree with but that. But you want me to still adhere to it and honor it and respect it. So you giving me reparations doesn't change any of that. 
with free college. I think I I would I think that's a good idea. I think a good idea is not going to fix everything, but I think it's a good idea for African Americans to be able to have that because that's another reason why we are economically behind a lot of people because the student loan crisis hit us at astronomical rates because we oh, didn't have any money to put our kids <laughs> through college. So, I know, I'm still there. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. Now, um, kind of switching gears a little bit, uh, how do we move forward from here? How, what do we do now that all the officers have been arrested? We are having the protests are starting to die down. What do we do in order to move forward from this point and not lose the momentum? Because the protesting long term is not sustainable. We can't do that every day. So I think it's important to um, not allow election years to be the years that we put a lot of uh, power behind wanting change. Um, I think we should continue to vote. The reason why I feel as though that is probably the, the, the most direct thing we can do is okay. because we're dealing with an institution that we did not create ourselves and that is not a part of um, our everyday. So uh, dealing with police, that is a system that government put in place. So I feel as though because of that reason, we need to make sure that there's legislation that keeps their system uh, in check to treat us more fairly. Um, just relying on ourselves is not going to be uh, strong enough to do anything because it's not something that we created and it's not something that we have any control over. So I feel like legis legislation would be that direct aspect. Um, I, I mean, that direct pathway. And I feel like they, we should consistently uh, champion that we want law enforcement to be held to the same degree and standards when they do the same amount of heinous crimes that a non-officer person does to be held to the same standard and the legislature should directly um, mention them. So that way, and also I feel as though uh, maybe giving um, citizens more power in situations when dealing with officers. Like there should never be situations where um, you're not allowed to record um, an officer's misconduct um, and that you should be able to um, have more information on what rights you have and what you can refuse and what you can't refuse. So for me personally, just to wrap it all up, legislation and pushing for mentioning directly of police accountability. So that way there's no questions asked. It says in the law, it's not uh, you go through this law process, bring them both to court and then wham, bam, one person can't even speak for what happened and then the officer gets to go home back to their family and oftentimes get their job back. Okay, Kent, what, what can we do to move forward? What do we need to do as an African-American community and American community to move forward? Uh, this is uh, year 2020, which has been a very difficult year for everyone um, to even have this conversation during a pandemic where uh, all livelihoods should be together like, like never before. Um, there's a lot of uh, we need to we need to do some 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 look with some looking within and um, like uh, I, I believe Alex said the legislation we, we need to attack every avenue possible but we need to get together and see what areas do we have we have senators we have uh, uh, people that are who said they stand with us okay if you stand with us this is what we want to see we have to come together and come up with an agenda for these politicians for these legislations. 
understanding what's out there. Um, like you said, uh, my sister said she went to the museum. I went to the Smithsonian uh, uh, African-American uh, History Museum in DC uh, two years ago. And just taking that, going from the basement all the way up to current times, it takes you to where they begin taking slaves in Africa and moving all the way up. Uh, we have to look at those things in, in our constitution that still have been left over from the years before uh, and really begin to love ourselves and show the world that, guess what? We, you're not no longer going to abuse us. Um, look at those rights. Like he says, if a police officer is abusing their privilege, if we can't report them, if a good, if another officer who's there, who, who wants to, they, they, they're not, they're afraid to, 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 uh, uh, share that information because of retaliation, you know, there needs to be laws that protect those officers that know of bad officers. Um, we need to know what we can and what we can't do because right now we're literally at a point where we can't tell on the police. We can video play. They can have body cams. We can record them. Nothing happens. We can't touch them. We can't kill them. We, we can't fight them or kill them back. So what is it that we can do to protect ourselves from the ter from actual, this is terrorism. This is modern day lynching. We have to call these things what it is because this is a public servant who is excessive force, who is killing people, uh, who are killing people. And again, it's, again, look at that person, look at that case and demand the justice for that particular issue. And, and we have to change everything that is from the law from how we address it as a community. We cannot be torn apart, yelling at each other in broad daylight. It makes us look dysfunctional. And then the and people who are against that come and they attack that. And now we're, now we're arguing about something else when the issue at hand, we're not addressing, which is police terrorism, police brutality. So we gotta, we gotta start having these in-house conversations and politicians that come and knock on your door. This is what I wanna see. If you're not talking about this, I don't care about it. I don't care if you say, well, don't you want to get Trump out? That's not good enough. Because regardless of who's in office, we still have, we got to have a voice somewhere and we need to decide that now. Okay, Karen, um, where do we go from here? I think there's a lot of things that we need to do from here. Like this conversation I think was very um, rich and there's a lot that you can take away from it. I think um, everybody had really good points. I think we need to work on ourselves as parents I think I would start there and what we're teaching our children at home, um, that sense of community, try to build it within our lives the best we can. And I know not everybody has all the resources, but just being grounded and responsible with your children and teaching them. I think education is important um, and not necessarily in schools or anywhere else, but just being able to share information and bring an awareness to what's going on. I think what we need from here is we definitely need legislation and we need laws to protect the civilians just as much as we protect the police. I don't think all police are bad. I know good cops. I know good people who just want to come home to their kids. So you don't want everyone punished, but the people who are out here abusing their power or taking advantage of the position that they're in need to be prosecuted just like if they were civilians, right? You're out there to save people and protect and serve and not out there to, to take people's lives. And it is a thin line, um, but there needs to be some recourse for the people who are abusing this, right? Because it, we can't just have families losing their children like this and there's no recourse for the loss of life. And there's no, um, 
recourse for these officers who then go back to work and go back to their lives. I think on a bit on a national level, we need to come together and maybe start an organization, but not small. I think it has to be bigger than the NAACP that kind of brings everyone together so that we can have discussion and people lobbying in the places where they need to lobby um, to get things changed. I agree with that. And Ryan, what do we do? What do we need to do to move forward from this point? Um, honestly, I think everybody kind of like touched on the, on t on everything. Um, I would just say education is always going to be my main focus. So I think uh, education. Education? Okay. Educate. Yeah, educate, I should say. Educate. Educate. Everybody. 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 everybody educate as many people as you can. Okay. Period. I I agree with that. Reach one, teach one. Um, yeah. I agree with that. And I want to thank everybody for coming on to the panel. I kept you guys a lot longer than we were initially supposed to, but it was such rich conversation and we were having such a good conversation and dialogue. I didn't want to cut anybody off. So I appreciate you guys for coming on. And again, I will say from my perspective, I think moving forward, we need to really come together. We need to come up with a plan, a strategy, sort of what Kent said, and I think Karen hit on this as well. Tell them what you want. I've been screaming this in the comment sections of so many posts that I've seen on Facebook. You've got, you have to be specific because if you're asking someone who you're saying is oppressed in a, an oppressor of you to fix it and they don't know now they can come up with whatever they want and then you're not going to be happy with it because you didn't have a choice in it and they didn't know exactly what you wanted you need to be very specific about that so I think we need to plan I think we need to strategize and I think we need to look long-sighted a lot of us are looking short-sighted like oh the end of 2020 Trump is out things will change that's not how that works I think you definitely need to vote for the president because again we have things like uh, we have a Supreme Court justice that's on her. I don't know what's going to happen with Ruth. Um, so <laughs> we need to make sure that we have somebody in there when it push comes to shove and we want to pass something on a national level as far as policing standards and it goes through the Supreme Court, you know who sits on that Supreme Court. So if you really want to change something, make sure that you're reaching out to people, reach out, strategize, plan, don't just kind of throw it to the wolves so thank you so much for watching today i appreciate all the comments and all of the dialogue back and forth again thank you everyone you can reach uh karen you want to tell them how they can reach you uh yeah i am um karen l on instagram facebook uh yeah and my website www.sayithloud.com s-a-y-i-t-h-l-o-u-d.com and she's hilarious so make sure that you <laughs> listen to her podcast <laughs> And Alex, is there is any way that people wanted to reach out to you or reach you? Um, yes. So I'm on Instagram at dancing underscore gaming. Um, and also, well, that's probably the best way to reach me because my Facebook uh, gets so many phone requests that I might not accept their notes. <laughs> so there's okay. <laughs> on, on Instagram, dancing underscore gaming. And if you go on there, you'll see quite a bit of dancing uh, for your entertainment. Okay. And I, I said it before, not exotic. He, he's hip hop, <laughs> hip hop dancing. Yeah, hip -hop dancing. <laughs> and Kent, how can people reach out to you? Oh man, people can reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, Kent Library Guy Wade. And yes, I did, I've worked in the library world for 17 years. Oh wow. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, the library is my place. Uh, so Kent Library Guy Wade on Facebook. I also have a Snapchat. Uh, my Instagram, I mean, is I am Kent Wade. 
My email is IamKenWade at gmail.com. I'm a, I'm a professional speaker, host, and workshop facilitator, uh, shaking the fear of public speaking. So, okay. And their your shirt, the shirts they can they can get a shirt. Oh yeah, yeah. And, uh, right now the website will be done at by the middle of June, right right before Juneteenth. So happy early Juneteenth, everybody. Which is June nineteenth. Uh, the website will be done by June by June nineteenth. But if you're interested, you can inbox me. And uh, we can uh, just tell me what size you wear. I press on myself. I do all the work say myself. It. Yeah, kitchen. say it. In the kitchen. So let me know what you want and we can work something out. Uh, yeah, shake the fear. All right. And Ryan, how can everybody reach out to you? And I know your podcast is coming soon. Uh, yes, uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter at uh, Chad and Friends. I'm going to write it in there, Karen. I got okay. it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I said it on Twitter at Chad and Friends on oh, yeah, Twitter. On Twitter too. I hardly use my Twitter. I'm getting back on there. I gotta get. I gotta get. Right, I hardly use Twitter, <laughs> but I'm Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and then I have my website. S a y i t h l o u d. So okay. I have a podcast every Friday. It's streaming everywhere. It's pretty funny. It is. It is. It's extremely funny. So make sure that you listen to it. I know Ryan is coming out with a podcast as well. I know Dave, you were really vibing with him. So make sure that you follow him on Twitter so you can know when that podcast drops so that you can support him. Thanks again, everybody for doing this. I appreciate it. I learned a lot from everyone and I think we had some great conversation and now people will be able to have something to talk about and we have to do this again. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. I'm adding everybody. <laughs> <laughs>